This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. In the last like four years now, my family and I decided that we were going to shift to a vegan lifestyle. I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I've been baking all of these things in the traditional way with eggs and dairy. And it was a very scary move. I thought this could really make or break my business. I literally had to stop the business for a few months to reformulate recipes and have them be good enough to stand behind them and say, well, yeah, these are just as good as the ones I used to make. The plant-based movement was really starting to become a bit more mainstream. So I was like discovering that there was like this niche of people that that were like, oh my God, like, yeah, we want cakes for special occasions. We want cookies, but there's no one that makes them. And then I was like, okay, this is kind of where I fit in. That's Isabella DePez. She's the owner and chief baker at The Cake Mama, whose passion for baking and love of food is in every dish and cookie she creates. Isabella is all about creating delicious vegan baked goods and savory dishes. Isabella, welcome. I am so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm also very, very much excited to be here. So before we get into the Cake Mama brand, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Who is Isabella? Um, Isabella is a mom of three kids. My husband, we've been together for, it'll be 15 years this year. I'm the youngest in my family of myself and my older sister. My parents uh, are both hearing impaired, so I'm fluent in sign language. And I look back on my life now and realize that I, as challenging as that was, it definitely shaped the person that I've become. Just very understanding and compassionate of the world and and very resourceful, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like to call myself a perpetual learner. I love to learn. Like, I am not somebody who just can sit and watch TV. Like, you know, I have people around me going, oh, do you know, do you watch watch The Bachelor? Do you watch, you know, whatever show? And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) Um, I think the only, the most recently, and it's hilarious because my kids actually wrote it down on our calendar that mom sat down and watched TV. Like this was um, (laughs) on Sunday, I think when the Megan and Harry interview was on. All of us were watching this. What's Right? (laughs) They're like, mom, uh, you're watching TV. Is everything okay? Like what's going on? So (laughs) I always like to keep busy and just be doing something. I'm, I'm just that type that just can't sit still. And even when I, even though my job is being in the kitchen, um, you'll rarely find me out of it. Uh, I just, it's just my happy place. I've realized I've come to just recognize that it's just where I like to be. And yeah, I kind of feel like that's just sort of, you know, that's basically in, in the, in the big, large, large scheme of things is kind of who I am. Now I know why we clicked so quickly. We are like the same person. Um, Oh, that's so great. (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit about the Cake Mama and about your brand. How did the idea for the Cake Mama come about? So I started baking um, truly as a hobby with uh, a friend of mine. She was she was like my baker friend. She like, she was always doing fun stuff. Um, and it was truly a hobby of hers too. She had her came from a really big Italian family and, um, they had weddings like literally every summer. And there was one year where she was like, Hey, like I am, I need to recreate this. Um, this very classic eighties cake, you know, those eighties cakes that are, that are like, they have the pillars and like the staircase, you know what I'm talking about? With the champagne glass, that's a fountain. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So she enlisted me to help her with this, like, 
beautiful 80s cake. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm crafty. I can certainly um, help you with that. And that surprisingly like ignited this passion for baking. I really didn't know I had, like I have always baked as a child and, and um, you know, that kind of thing, bake with my mom and, you know, summer, summer break, my sister and I would be baking in the kitchen together and whatnot, but that baking cakes and, you know, for special occasions was like something I never thought I would ever get into. And so it's that kind of like ignited that passion. And then we just kind of like started a little, you know, like a little business, not really anything special. It was just more like word of mouth. And we were taking on some orders for custom cakes and stuff. And, and then, you know, she was getting into, like, she really enjoyed, uh, like she was planning to become an accountant. So that was like her jam. The, the, the baking was just sort of like a, an outlet, if you will. And, and I was kind of like, actually, no, I think like, I think I want to do this. This is so crazy. Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't think I would get into it. And so um, that's kind of where we, you know, where the cake mama was born. I just started, I kind of like just kept going where she sort of dropped off. But there's a spin to your business because although you do bake, yes, your baked goods are all vegan. They're all vegan. Yes. 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 So, um, that is a very recent, um, not recent, I guess it's in the last, like probably four years now. Um, my family and I decided that we were going to shift our, uh, our lifestyle to a vegan lifestyle. I thought, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? I've been doing, you know, I've been baking all of these things, um, in the traditional way with, you know, with eggs and dairy and that kind of thing. And I was like, what do I do? Like, I literally had to basically like stop the business for a few months, like basically take a break to kind of go, okay, now I need to reformulate recipes and like have them be good enough to stand behind them and say, well, yeah, these are just as good as the ones I used to make. So, you know, don't not order from me anymore because, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm vegan. It was a very scary move. I thought, you know what, this is, this could really make or break my business. But at the times, this is like in 2017, you know, the the plant-based movement or the vegan movement, if you will, was really starting to become a bit more popular, a bit Mm -hmm. more mainstream. Um, and so the accessibility was a challenge. So I was like discovering that there was like this niche of people that were like, oh my God, like, yeah, we want cakes for special occasions. We want cookies and all these kinds of things, but there's no one that makes them. And then I was like, okay, well, this is kind of where I fit in. So the vegan thing actually kind of worked out in two ways because now I just sort of separated myself from people who don't do what I do, but still do what I do, if that makes sense. And it wasn't going anywhere. Like becoming vegan, it wasn't going away. It wasn't like it was a fad. It was going, this was becoming part of life and more and more people were discovering it. So you were onto something very, very early in the game. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, this is, I mean, that's all I do now. So I've been doing it for four years and it's still busy and it's still, you know, and it's, and what's so fascinating about that is that a lot of people who order from me actually aren't even vegan themselves. They just go, you know what, we really love your work. Um, you know, we've heard about your work, we've, or or we've tried it, you know, from, uh, somebody else's party or what have you. And now we want to order it. So it's kind of, it's a kind of neat experience because, you know, it may seem like I'm super niched, which, you know, when you look at it, I am, um, you know, when people look at the work, like if you go on my website or if you go on my Instagram, you'll please right? go like into you go, her website and Instagram. Yeah. You will <laughs> Thank drool. <laughs> Thank you so much. So you'll see it and you'll kind of go, well, what's the difference? You don't really see the difference. It's not like it's, it's still a beautifully decorated cake or a beautifully decorated cookie. It's just that the ingredients are different, right? Mm-hmm. And the flavors are all there. 
the flavors are all there. And on top of that too, like I have always tried to market myself or make it known that like, I am by no means health food. I'm not a health food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cake mama's products are not a health food. They are just <laughs> as indulgent as, you know, the ice cream cake you would buy at a store or a cake you'd buy at the store, or, you know, it's just as, and that's intended to be that way. Right. When we celebrate things, uh, we, we get a little bit you know, fancier with our food, we get, you know, a little bit more indulgent. And so that's no different. Whereas I kind of feel like people fear that when it's vegan, they're going, Oh no. So that means it's like refined sugar free or like, you know, it's gluten free or there's like, there's a lot of gluten in my food. (laughs) Um, so it's, 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 you know, you take a slice of it, it's satisfying. It satisfies that sweet tooth. It, it, it is no different other than, you know, the absence of eggs and the absence of butter. Okay, so now now that we're on this absence of eggs and absence of butter, because I have to, I have to ask you this. You made Mm -hmm. a vegan pavlova. I did. How? What did you use to create like that crispy, delicious crust with no egg or no egg whites? I pretty fascinating, right? Yeah. So so the egg substitute that is kind of like the holy grail of vegan baking is product called aquafaba, which is actually the liquid that you find in a can of chickpeas. So that liquid, because it's been sitting sitting with um, the chickpeas, it draws out the proteins that are very similar to like the structure of an egg, like the egg proteins uh, and egg whites, I should say. So if you whip that up, it becomes a beautiful meringue, a very beautiful meringue. So, I mean, that's the basis of my royal icing. When I make royal icing, instead of using a meringue powder or using egg whites, I'll use that. If you're going to do an angel food cake that needs like a lot of that air, you would be using the aquafaba. So then for the pavlova, for example, you would be using that. But you do have to add a few stabilizers to it so that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily deflate. And that's the beauty of it, because you know how if you whip eggs for a certain, you know, egg whites for a certain period of time, if you overmix it, you can actually break the structure and it just becomes a mm-hmm. soggy mess. Um, with aquafaba, it doesn't do that. However, it stays light and airy and doesn't have that structure, that like heavy structure, or thick structure, I should say, that egg whites do. So it gets very light and airy. So you add a little bit of cream of tartar for stabilization. And if you want to get real fancy, you can also go get into the gums. Like you can add a little bit of xanthan gum or guar gum. And that kind of gives it the elasticity that, um, that egg whites have that aquafaba does not. They're not necessarily necessary. It's just dependent on whether or not you want it to like hold its shape. So for example, like I've done meringues where I pipe them using a piping bag and it's, you know, a beautiful swirl. So if you want that kind of um, sturdiness to it, then you add the gums. But otherwise, if you're just doing a pavlova, it's literally granulated sugar and the aquafaba, you whip it up, you plop it onto a, a, a cookie sheet with a parchment on there. And actually what the beauty of using aquafaba is that you can actually use a food dehydrator, which is what I use. Um, so I don't use my oven to bake it. I'll just put it in a food dehydrator because you're not concerned about the, um, the salmonella, right? So, because eggs, I believe, have to be cooked above 180 degrees, um, and aquafaba does not have that uh, that issue. So you can cook it. You can actually, and it's nice because then you don't have to worry about it over browning because most dehydrators only go, get up to like 170 ish degrees. So you can kind of set it and forget it, and then you have this beautiful pavlova that you can top with fresh fruit and whipped coconut cream. That is and so smart. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Are you up for a couple of games? I am ready. Yep. Okay, we're going to play fill in the blanks. I'm always late to... Taking my kids to school. (laughs) Blank is how I temporarily escape. A glass of wine. Nice. If I could go anywhere right now, I would go to blank. Hawaii. 
I want to try blank. Ooh, that's a really good question. You know what? I've actually been interested in trying um, the stand-up paddleboard. I've never done that. And I've just been seeing it a lot around, um, I guess, just because the seasons are changing. Oh, that's a good so one. So I wouldn't be, I'm actually quite terrified of like oceans and lakes. And I, I but, but I'm a little bit intrigued at the idea of trying doing the stand-up paddleboard. So I'll say that. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. And it's one of those things where, and I push myself all the time, you kind of feel the fear, but you do it. Yeah. Well, and it's not like, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a great swimmer, but I can swim. So it's not like, you know, and I would wear a life jacket if mm-hmm. I needed one. So, you know, I could equip myself to prepare myself for the worst, but I'm pretty sure I could, I could do it. So, you know, you always got to push those boundaries, like you say, and, and try new things. Yeah, I like that. Mine was as simple as I want to try hula hoop again. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I... I was a pretty good hula hooper back in the day, <laughs> so but was I. you know what? I haven't been around one. Well, it was a little while back. We went to a, a toy store and the kids were playing with one. I'm like, yeah, let me get have a crack at it. And yeah, it wasn't, so, I, my hips swirling, I guess. Were you able to keep it up? For like a few seconds. And then it just like went down to my ankles. <laughs> and the last one, I deserve a gold medal in... Um, making it look like I have things together. (laughs) I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Isabella DePez. She's the owner and chief baker at the Cake Mama. I asked a few friends about vegan diets, and they had so many questions. Are you up for a little vegan Q&A? I would love it. I would love it. Bring it on. Okay, so here are a couple of the questions that I've received. Very first one, right off the top, what do vegans eat? (laughs) What do vegans eat? Well, you know, if you look in the produce section, basically everybody does eat a vegan, somewhat of a vegan diet if they eat anything in the fruit and vegetable aisle. You know, you can get a little bit fancy with the meat alternatives if you want to go there. But ideally, you're essentially eating a well-balanced diet that consists of some good greens. I eat a lot of beans and lentils um, because it's high in iron and high in protein. We eat tofu and tofu, it's, it's a pretty like fabulous and versatile product. If you can imagine a chicken, nobody would really just like bake a chicken and just eat a chicken like that. So it tofu is the same way, you know, you, you season it, it, it absorbs a lot of flavors. You, you add marinades, but yeah, tons of beautiful salads, pastas, you know, chocolate is technically, you know, if you're not getting milk chocolate, if you're getting pure dark chocolate, it's very, very versatile and and very delicious, very satisfying for sure. Okay. Next question. Where do vegans get their protein? So vegans get their protein from pretty much everything. Um, I think what's so fascinating about that question is because we've been, we've been taught Um, and it's sort of been ingrained in our head that if you don't eat a meat product or an animal product, that you're not getting any protein, but there's actually protein in everything. Protein is in your beans and lentils, proteins in tofu, proteins in grains like, uh, quinoa and brown rice. And that's where we get our protein from. I use an app that tracks basically your essential nutrients, make sure you're getting everything that you should be getting in a day, um, from your food. And I'm almost always hitting my protein targets, even though I don't eat meat. The next question someone asked is, do I need to supplement vitamin B12? You should always supplement B12 if you are on a vegan diet. Um, and there's lots of different ways to do that. There is a, there is a vegan um, B12 uh, supplement that I, it comes in a little spray bottle. 
Um, my kids love it. It's like raspberry flavored. So they get a spray every day. If I don't use that supplement, then I, I use a lot of nutritional yeast in my, uh, my cooking and, um, nutritional yeast is fortified with B vitamins. And so literally I get like 900% of my B12 <laughs> intake through nutritional yeast, yeah. through nutritional yeast, which is crazy. So I, and I, and I don't even like, I mean, I use it for a lot of different things. Like sometimes I'll just sprinkle it on roasted broccoli or something like that, just to kind of give it that sort of cheesy flavor to it. Um, or if we're having a night of, you know, a movie night and we're making popcorn, popcorn. I yeah, love it on popcorn. Like, so good. Why don't vegans eat dairy or eggs? That's a great question. So, you know, essentially, and I, and I was very naive in this too. Like I was just like, do dairy cows just produce milk like all the time? Are they like a special kind of cow? <laughs> this okay. is like years ago. Yeah. And so when you really break it down, it's kind of like, okay, no, they're mothers that have to bear a child in order to produce milk. And so it's this perpetuating system of exploitation of these animals. A calf has to be born in order for, for us to consume the milk. And it's really not meant for us. It's meant for them. I mean, we're the only species that eat, drinks another species milk. <laughs> True. We didn't break it down that way. True. We're the only ones that do that. We drink goat's milk. We'll drink cow's milk. And it's really not necessary. It's just kind of a societal thing, right? And in the end, you know, an, a, a cow can live up to 25 years and usually dairy cows only live for five years because those are like their good producing years. And then they go to the slaughterhouse. The calves are usually sold for veal. And then the dairy cow themselves, you know, are spent after five years, they go to the slaughterhouse as well. So that's kind of like perpetuating that. And then for eggs, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, what's wrong with eggs? They just lay the eggs, but there's really no such thing as free range eggs, unless you're literally like the neighbor next door has a farm and you see the chickens roaming around uh, freely. They're usually not in the best conditions. And the other sort of darker side of the industry that people kind of don't know about is the fact that male uh, chickens um, generally get macerated pretty much the day after they're born. So once they've discovered that they're not female and can't produce eggs, they just get thrown into a macerator and that's the end of them. So it's again, perpetuating that issue of like, well, if we eat eggs, there's the, that other side of the industry that people don't really know about. And so that's kind of the reason why we don't support that as well. So essentially anything that comes from an animal is either meant for them or just not meant for us. So on the surface, wine or beer, they automatically, it seems like it would be vegan. But mm -hmm. I read your Okanagan guide to vegan wines. And you point out that agents and other additives that can make certain brews, I think, unacceptable to vegans. Yeah, so it's the filtration process uh, or the refinement process of uh, of winemaking or beer making. Um, they'll use either the uh, like egg white, uh, powdered egg white to do that, or they will use um, like fish bladder. Really? <laughs> just like really? Like of all the things, yeah. It's been crystallized. So it just be, it's just this product that is added in during the filtration and refinement process of beer or wine. So I'm, I live in the Okanagan, and so mm -hmm. there's you know, this is wine country. This is this is yes, it know, is wine in every every street. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty happy to report that there was very few that used um, like the egg or the fish product in their refinement, which was a really cool thing to to see. I just automatically assumed that a lot of them wouldn't be. And then, you know, I get emails back from their um, from their marketing company being like, yeah, no, we don't use any of those products. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like that makes me feel even more relieved to know that, you know, I can go somewhere for a tasting and, and know that they don't use those products. I've got one last game. 
Okay. This or that. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. Salty or sweet? Salty. Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Orange or apple? Ooh, orange. Juice or smoothies? Juice. Wine, red or white? That's just a, I mean, question, but I will say (laughs) right now, because we're heading into warmer season, I'm going to say white. Mm -hmm. Right or left-handed? Left. You're a lefty. Okay. All right. Reese's Pieces or M&M's? Reese's Pieces for sure. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. Baked or fried? Fried. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a question. What's the first recipe you could remember trying? Oh, I know. I know what it is. Uh, scones. Just a standard, basic, unflavored scone. Really? Yes. And I don't, I honestly don't know why. My sister and I were obsessed with scones and putting <laughs> jam on them. And so like literally I, I can remember, I, I want to say I was like maybe seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, we were early nineties, you know, eighties, early nineties kids. So, you know, our parents went to work and we stayed home alone. <laughs> and we, I don't know, like my mom had all these great cookbooks and for whatever reason, we really loved these like plain scones. But the funny part about it was that we never quite understood, like we followed the recipe to the T, but in the end, we always ended up having to add so much more flour because the, the batter was so <laughs> liquidy. And I don't know if now looking back, like I should see if I could find that cookbook at my mom's house. But I wonder now if maybe it was because we were reading the liquid measurements wrong, or maybe it was ounces instead of like milliliters or something, you know what I mean? Right, like something right. Like that, and we just didn't do the conversion properly. But I just remember we'd be like, okay, like we need to add more flour. But, but we literally kept doing it the same way every time. Like, <laughs> it was like, we'll make it, it gets super runny. We know we need to add more flour, but here we go. And we ended up with these like delicious scones that we made, like I swear once or twice a week. Like that was, yeah, that I, I would definitely say that would be the recipe. <laughs> so when it comes to your recipes and your baking and part of Cake Mama, what's one of the recipes that took you the longest to perfect? I would say it would have to be my sugar cookie recipe. It can be a little bit tricky. It's, you know, in North America, a sugar cookie is intended to be very, like, slightly baked, like slightly golden, very soft to the bite. Um, And that's really hard to replicate in in vegan baking, like a, a, a classic sugar cookie, because ingredients are different. And so I've worked on, you know, switching out icing sugar instead of granulated sugar and you know, um, if I don't use aquafaba, then I'm using, um, ground flaxseed or ground chia seed as my egg substitute and play around with those for like texture and, you know, fluffiness, if you will. And I feel like I've nailed it. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes I, I I still feel like I need to go back to the drawing board, but I would say that that would be the recipe that I, that took me the longest to kind of be fully confident in. And I share it now it's on my, it's on my website. So if you want to try it, it's there. And yeah, I'm very proud of it because Um, sugar cookies is kind of the thing I leaned on while I was discovering how to really bake as a vegan and, and, you know, create cake recipes. Cake recipes are tricky at the time. They didn't have very good butter substitutes, which they do now, but back then they didn't. And so I basically took cakes off the menu because I was like, I wouldn't stand behind this cake. I think it tastes awful. So, um, so sugar cookies was really my thing that kind of like carried the business along while I was still doing like recipe development and whatnot. So yeah, that would definitely be the one that I would say took the longest to figure out, but I'm very proud of it now. 
what's your favorite kitchen trick or hack that you use? Uh, I got a good one. It's the lemon hack. So to get the lemon juice without the pulp and the seeds, you take a lemon with the palm of your hand, sort of rub it back and forth Mm -hmm. um, against the counter to soften it up a little bit. And then you prick it on the, the, the bum side, I guess, like not the stem side, but the bottom side. Okay. You prick it all the way through and then you squeeze and the juice will come out the hole and you will not get any seeds and you will not get any of the pulps. You'll just get pure. So all that will be left is literally like you will smush it to the point where it'll just like tear open. I have the hugest grin on my face because (laughs) I just read about this before we got on our call. (laughs) No way. I'm not kidding you. That is amazing. Well, see it. I'm reaffirming that it works. It works. So it's so great, especially like yeah, like, you know, if you're making a pasta and you need to, like, brighten up the dish with a nice squeeze of lemon, yeah. it's a great way to do it. And and not to mention, too, I find that um, even if I don't want to use the entire lemon, I can just leave the le- – like, I can you can pop it in the fridge or you just leave it in your little, you know, fruit bowl or whatever. But you can just grab it again and just squeeze more of the lemon juice without – Having to cut having it. Having, like – yeah, or having, like, the insides dry out. And you can use as little as much as you want. And there's no waste. So I ask all my guests to share a little kitchen confession with us. Do you have one? Do I have a kitchen confession? Um, I am the messiest baker ever. I am the messiest. I kind of feel like all bakers are. Like my niece, the same thing. I, You know, (laughs) I'm a messy baker slash cook. And like the thing is, is like I would cringe if anybody actually saw what my kitchen looks like when I'm in the thick of baking, they'd be like, are you serious? Like a cake is born out of this disaster zone. Are you serious? And the thing is, is like, I keep telling myself I'm going to be somebody who like cleans as they go along. And the reality is, is it just never, ever happens. I'm like, no, everything just gets thrown in the sink and I will deal with it later. And, and it'll be like hours later before I deal with it. But I'm, you know what, I think I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna blame it on my creative side and say creativity just takes <laughs> precedence over cleanliness. Um, not to say that I'm not clean. It's just that I am, I you know, know where you're going with that. Food, things like that. Right. So it's like, you know, I'll make cake batter and the bowl will be there with the spatula and then I'll move on to making icing and then yeah. there'll be like icing sugar floofed everywhere. And <laughs> then I have my like quote unquote clean workstation where like the cook, the cakes being stacked and ice and all that sort of stuff. But everything around me, like outside of the epicenter <laughs> of the decorating and stuff is just a disaster. My husband will be like, okay, so like when are we taking care of this situation I'm like don't worry I got it I got it but yeah so the whole caution like, tape goes up and all that <laughs> right. literally it's like do not enter zone oh this has been so much fun thank you so much thank you so much for having me if listeners want to find you online what where can they find you the best place to find me is on Instagram I spend a lot of time there sharing my doing my recipe shares and you know lifestyle stuff and and the day-to-day. So definitely on my main Instagram page at the.cake.mama. I love communicating with my community. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I'm here for all the questions and that's what brings me the most joy is, is connecting with my community. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast. 
Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 